Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever the heck it might be for you. I guess it's afternoon already on the eastern seaboard. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy. You know, you know, like, uh, like a meal. It's a meal, but we're, uh, we're not, we're holding the dressing. Because there's no fantasy right now. It's playoff basketball. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You can also find me by just... Google searching Dan from Hoopball. I promise you it will come up very early on because there are very few Dans from Hoopball. Uh, and I think I've been at Hoopball the longest, so maybe Google knows that already. Again, that's uh, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is, of course, a Hoopball presentation. Hoop-ball.com, the website, at Hoopball Fantasy or at Hoopball Tweets, if you want to give them a follow. Uh, among so many other reasons, just Fantastic stuff coming out every day and all weekend long. Uh, friend of the program, Josh Millman, had a recap on Sunday's game. I love when Josh puts something together. Nobody's got the flair for the written word quite like our buddy Josh. Um, podcasts dropping all the time. We'll have a DFS episode for you tomorrow since there aren't any games tonight. The Hoopball Gaming Contingent had a college football and NFL weekend that was just unheard of. Congratulations to those guys for just piling in money right now. And, I mean, you got to, like, I mean, you you have to. You have to check it out. It's crazy. It's crazy. They're giving out, like, plus 450 dogs that are winning in mid-majors and stuff like that. Brilliant, brilliant work. Today in Sports Betting, the name of that podcast, Hoopball Gaming is the Twitter feed. Devin, Ira, and Troy uh, doing just a bang-up job. Before we dive into today's material, we have a brand-new sponsor to tell you guys about, and I am super, super thrilled to do so. It is our good buddies at ExpressVPN. You might not have heard of them before, but you will definitely hear about them now It is a really cool technology that I'm going to tell you about on today's podcast. And I know what you're thinking. When you hear VPN, here, by the way, I want to mention the copy points that they provide to us on what to talk about. I don't even think go far enough back. So quickly, ExpressVPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. Okay? So this is something that protects your privacy and your security on the internet. It is useful to have under any circumstance, but here's what's really cool about it. If you visit expressvpn.com slash hoopball, that's our special code, expressvpn, uh, virtual private network, that's what the, if you're trying to figure out what letters I'm saying, 
The word express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash hoopball. You can get an extra three months of their service for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself. And you're saying, Dan, what does that mean, watch what you want? Well, this is something I didn't even know before we we partnered up with ExpressVPN. You can use VPNs to change your location. Because all of these sites, all of these streaming surfaces, they know exactly what you're doing and where you are at all times, which is sort of unnerving. You know, you're getting all these targeted ads and you're able to see things uh, that are only available in your area. You can use ExpressVPN. For instance, uh, someone over at ExpressVPN was telling me that they changed their location to look like they were in the United Kingdom, so they got to watch Doctor Who binging on Netflix. Doctor Who on the UK Netflix. So you could change which Netflix you're watching. Uh, you can choose almost 100 different countries. If you love anime, you can access the Japanese Netflix. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason we use ExpressVPN is because it is the fastest. It's compatible with your smart devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, whatever you want to do. If you're on the go, big screen, at home, you can stream in HD with no problem. Really excited about this new partner. I'm super excited to try it out. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. Please do check it out. Read up a little bit about it. You don't have to immediately dive in. Spend a minute or two on their website and learn what they stand for uh, and what you can do with it. It's really cool. It's super affordable. Uh, we're partners with them. We have accounts here at Hoopball, and it's awesome. That's ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. Check them out right now. So here's what we got on tap for today, and I say this every time I think that the show is going to be a little bit more brief, and then I ended up getting sidetracked into this rabbit hole of thoughts on a particular game, but we have no game tonight. So nothing to break down for this evening, no betting to be done, but we did have some games over the weekend, and I'd like to go back and work our way through those because we had two Lakers-Nuggets games. Of course, yesterday's was the very exciting one, and a Boston-Miami game on Saturday, even though they don't play again until Wednesday. So a little weird phenomenon there. They got that series started quickly, I guess, because they wanted to make sure there wasn't a gap, but then they gave them a bunch of days off so the Western Conference can catch up. Strange, I know, but that's how they decided to do it, and so that's the way we'll deal with it. So what I'd like to do first is kind of skip over the Nuggets-Lakers game on Friday. That game powered way over the total, 240 combined points, the team shot 50 or 49.5 and 53% respectively with very high tempo. Uh, Nuggets were expected to score 113. They scored 114. Lakers were expected to score about 113 also. Uh, and they scored 124 or 126 because they hit a ton of shots and didn't turn the ball over and just generally played a, a stellar basketball game. And that one was not a good indicator of what this series might look a bit more like. So I want to jump over that one because both teams have already made some adjustments. And we'll, uh, we'll break down that Sunday Anthony Davis game winner shortly. First thing, however, is I want to talk Boston-Miami because that was a series that for a couple of ball games, the, uh, the total was actually too high, believe it or not, in the first one. They overachieved, and they went to overtime. The total was more or less right on the money in Game 2, 
And that's exactly the way it turned out. The two teams basically hit their mark in that one. They, uh, I think they were expected to go over by one bucket, but they went under by one bucket. That That's basically telling you that the line is right. And then we work our way into Saturday's game, which went over by a fair amount, 223 combined points. Boston beat Miami 117-106. to 106. Worth noting in this game, a couple of key factors. Number one, the 117-106 final actually could have been higher, believe it or not. Uh, Boston went over their expected mark by a little bit. They, uh, I think they were expected to be about 114, so went over by three. The Heat scored 106 points in this game, but they were actually expected to score 115. They underachieved by shooting just 39% from the field. Both teams shot a ton of free throws in that game, and the turnovers were a little bit more in check. So for Miami, a bad shooting game kept them arguably from at least keeping it a bit more competitive, and this game would have gone over by even more. The pace was just a lot, a lot quicker. What does that mean for their next game? Well, Boston's favored by three. The total is 210.5. They didn't really ratchet it up by all that much, perhaps with the expectation that things slow back down a little bit, but I just don't know if that's the case. You know, I don't know if this series is going to slow again. I think that, you know, there were things that Boston did against the Miami zone in this game that were a little bit different, that maybe you force Miami now to make some adjustments on their side. Does that slow the tempo a little bit, or does that keep this thing moving? Because, again, the pace in this game was uh, aiming for more like 225, 230. Right, I just said, I think it was 228 is what I just came out to. So it was. this was supposed to be an even higher scoring game than it was. And you look at that total for the next one, and it stayed relatively low. So there's some question marks about that, but we'll, of course, talk about that on Wednesday when they play their next ball game. The things that I wanted us to take away from that Saturday game, Boston making some adjustments. They put Marcus Smart on Goran Dragic, completely slowed him down. Dragic, 11 points, 5 assists, but 5 turnovers and 2 out of 10 shooting. That uh, really took them out of their their business. Jimmy Butler needs to do better now if Smart isn't on him for long stretches. Tyler Hero has shown himself to be a fantastic young basketball player here in the playoffs, and then Bam Adebayo has been just brilliant pretty much from playoff game one. But it wasn't enough because Boston figured out Miami a little bit. They got a better game from Kemba, which they've needed badly. They got Gordon Hayward back, and he played 30 minutes as mostly a facilitator in this ballgame. Marcus Smart shot the ball well. Jalen Brown shot the ball well by getting closer to the bucket. Jason Tatum had 25 and 14 and 8, nearly triple-doubled. It was not, by by any stretch, his most brilliant game of the playoffs, but it was quite good. And the Boston regulars played a truckload of minutes in this game. This was the, we need this one, we have, you know, three days off, so let's go nuts. Let's just go ham and make sure we lock it up. So that's another reason to think that maybe the next one is a little bit lower scoring, because you probably don't see uh, Jalen Brown playing 43 minutes, Kemba 40 and a half, Tatum 41. I mean, Kemba was a guy dealing with uh, some injury stuff. And also, you know, the way games are called makes a big deal. This was a this game was called very closely. There were 53 uh, fouls called, leading to 64 free throws in that game. And I don't know if that happens again in the next one either. But again, we'll talk about that on Wednesday when we're looking towards the next ball game because we do have a little time off. The series where we don't have as much time off is Lakers-Nuggets. They play again tomorrow. 
And what we saw in Game 2 was so drastically different than what we saw in Game 1 that I want to make sure we spend an adequate amount of time pouring over some of those details and, you know, at least taking whatever time we have to do it. Game 1 was a Lakers runout. And was Denver tired? I don't know. Were they just sort of... was one of those things where Denver was kind of caught off guard by the Lakers' power and speed. And it was kind of like what the Lakers saw with Houston, where it was like, look, we can game plan all you want, but until you see it, you don't really know how fast you need to do things and how fast you need to move to to get to that spot. And they just got steam trained in game one. Well, game two was a little bit of a different thing. And for those that were like, cons- and went full conspiracy theorist in game one and said the Lakers were getting all the calls from the officials, well, game two leveled that playing field, didn't it? Because the Nuggets took 33 free throws to the Lakers' 19. The Lakers had 30 fouls called against them in this ballgame, which is among the most we've seen in regulation games. Boston had uh, 29 fouls called on them in their win on Saturday, but... You look at most of these games, 30 is a lot, and 22 is pretty low. Generally, when you see one, you don't see the other at the same time. That is, usually if it's a game that's being called tight, you'll see high fouls on both sides. Like, you know, Nuggets-Clippers, there was a game where both teams had 20. And uh, Miami-Boston, the first game of that series, I think it was 23 and 25. Generally, when there's a big number... It's big on both sides because that's just how they're calling the ball game. This one, the last one, not so much. (laughs) That's something to keep an eye on. By the way, it's worth noting, too, that if you go back to the game on Friday, the, the foul disparity was actually more called on the Lakers. It just so happened that they got into the bonus quickly, and almost all of Denver's fouls came in the second quarter. So in both games... More fouls have been called on the Lakers. So I don't want to hear about the the whether this series is rigged or not. Yesterday's game, the whistle dramatically favored the Nuggets, and the Lakers escaped. That's the way I want to claim this, because in all, for all intents and purposes, uh, both teams played a half. Both teams played 24 minutes of basketball yesterday, and that's why that game came down to three consecutive buzzer beater well, or potential game winners. I guess I should say one that was actually a buzzer beater. When, when both teams play 24 minutes and you have two good teams, it's probably going to be a relatively close ball game. And that's what you saw. Now, again, the difference from game one, where there was some garbage time that impacted things a little bit is that here in game two, the nuggets made serious adjustments where the Lakers didn't really um, and you see that in the playoffs sometimes, where the team that's winning is going to apply generally an if-it-ain't-broke type of mentality. That is to say, for those that don't know the expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Meaning, if we beat the pants off of this team doing this thing on Friday, let's try to do this thing again and see what happens. Well, to Denver's credit... They made some uh, large adjustments in Game 2. Uh, they they didn't allow LeBron almost any space to operate. LeBron did almost all of his damage in the first half and had six turnovers. So they threw some looks at him that he wasn't expecting. You could see he was tentative in the second half. He only was able to get near the rim twice. I think he missed a layup one time and slipped the other time. 
And so it ended up being Anthony Davis just taking a bunch of sometimes contested shots and mostly hitting them. It was it was an heroic display when the Lakers desperately needed it because they were getting vastly outplayed. Lakers, remember, went up by 16 points on a three-pointer. I think it was a KCP three-pointer, but I might, it might have been Danny Green or, or Caruso. I forget who knocked it down. And the game completely shifted after that point. I don't know exactly what the one key adjustment was, but I'll tell you one thing that did happen is that, well, uh, Lakers missed a few open looks. They ended up hitting contested stuff, but they missed some open things. And Denver started scoring most times down the floor. So the Lakers didn't have that opportunity to get out and go crazy nearly as much in the second half as they did in the first. This was a sloppy basketball game. Lakers won 105-103, the final score. So let's start at the top and kind of work our way through all the information we have on this game. For one, it went under the total by a decent amount. And we we had leans to the under. I think I tried to retweet an Aaron Bruski tweet in that one, but I didn't uh, you know, I didn't have a podcast over the weekend, so it was, I couldn't really put out my extensive thoughts in the game, and there's always family stuff, so I'm chasing people around. Uh, leans were to Denver slightly. I was not that strong on that side, and a pretty strong lean to the under because that first game created uh, a super inflated total. First game was at 209, was bet up to 210.5, and then to have this one jump that far created a whole lot of wiggle room on the other side. From a pace standpoint... There was some underachieving going on in this one, largely due to turnovers. So this is something I want us to keep in mind as we look towards the next ballgame. Yes, this game went under by eight points against the listed total, but it probably shouldn't have. That doesn't mean that the next one is going to play out the same or even differently, but listen, let's, let's, let's assess our situation here. And then we'll try to figure out what that means going forward, perhaps more so on tomorrow's show when these two teams play again and and we can go into a little bit more detail. On the Lakers' side, uh, attempted 83 field goals in the game. They committed 23 turnovers and shot just 19 free throws, so much lower free throw number. Lakers made 18 out of their 19 foul shots, which was monstrous for them. Uh, Without those, they don't win the ballgame because the other numbers favored the Nuggets. Almost everything else in this game favored the Nuggets except for free throw percent and rebounding. That was where the Lakers had an edge. The Nuggets won basically every other battle in game two and probably should have won the ball game if you don't look at sort of how it got to that last point. But anyway, uh, 23 turnovers and 83 field goal attempts right there is 106 possessions. So add in, and as we've been doing before, sort of our fuzzy math version of half the free throw number is it eliminates the and ones. You know, for instance, LeBron had an and one in there. I think he had two and one opportunities in there, but we're going to eliminate those. We're just going to treat every free throw as half a procession. So add another nine and a half to that number, and you get 115 and a half. The Lakers underperformed in this game by 10 and a half points. So the Lakers alone should have shoved this number way, uh, well, two points over the total. On the Nuggets side, 74 field goal attempts, and that's Maybe one of the differences in the ballgame, but of course you make up for that at the free throw line. They had 19 turnovers, did much better in that regard as the game progressed, where the Lakers continued to cough the ball up. But again, it doesn't matter when these things happen within the context of the ballgame. We're just, we are only 
looking at what it means from a pace standpoint. So that's 93 possessions right there. They attempted 33 whopping free throws in this game. So let's just call that 16 and a half as well. Uh, and that puts us at 109 and a half. So that's another six and a half points. So these two teams combined to go about 17 points under the expected number of points they should have put up if this game didn't, and, and it's basically the turnovers. I mean, that's really what you're looking at here. In a normal playoff game, and I don't have the number right in front of me right now, but from what we've seen so far, most teams are committing about 13 or 14 turnovers a game. Even if we liberally call it 15, that's four Nuggets possessions and eight Lakers possessions. That's 12 possessions over the average. And that was, again, a high average. I'm just pulling a number out of my butt right now. 12 possessions. If these teams shoot roughly 45-46% between the two of them, that's about five and change extra field goals that go in. Call it 11 extra points. I don't care. So just turnovers alone. Forget shooting, which for the Lakers was uh, extremely low, and for the Nuggets, their free throw shooting wasn't very good. Forget that stuff. Just turnovers should have pushed this game over the total if the teams took care of the basketball. They did not. I think you probably see an improvement on that in Game 3, specifically on the Lakers' side. There's no way. I mean, if you're the Lakers, you feel great about this game for a number of reasons. And if you're the Nuggets, you can feel good about being extraordinarily competitive and figuring out some ways to slow down L.A., but I think if you're the Nuggets, and me, listen, I'm a Laker fan, I feel so relieved at the outcome of this game. Because this was one that the Nuggets should have won. They should have won it. They played too poorly for the first half, basically, and they screwed themselves. Because they played their butts off in the second half and should have won the ball game. Nuggets outplayed the Lakers in almost every facet of this game, aside from the glass. The Lakers are just so big that they are beating teams and rebounding handily. But the free throw disparity, I mean, it's it, it wasn't even close in this one. Uh, but the Nuggets shooting just 76% at the line. They got 25 points at the free throw line. Lakers 18, so seven-point advantage at the free throw line. That should have been enough right there. The four turnover advantage for the Nuggets. They had three more steals than the Lakers. The assists were basically a dead heat. Um... This is one that, for the Lakers, they kind of stole it. And I know what you're thinking. Didn't they lead by a bunch early in the third quarter? Yeah, they did. The Nuggets weren't really playing well in the first half. They weren't. But the Lakers collapsed in this game. I mean, they were sloppy throughout. If they took care, better care of the basketball, it, it never would have gotten down to that point near the end. But they didn't. And LeBron James was... You're, people are going to look at that box score of 26-11-4 with two blocks and think he had himself a great ball game. He was spectacular for the first 18 minutes of this game, and he was non-existent in the second half, and he hasn't had a good series so far. Yeah, the Lakers blew him out on Friday, but LeBron wasn't very good in that ball game. He wasn't. They didn't need him to be you know, the, the the best player in the universe. They didn't need him. He was at 15, 6, and 12 in that game. That was, again, heavily an Anthony Davis-led ball game. 
But this hasn't been... Now, to LeBron's credit, on Friday, you know, he shot 6 for 11. He was efficient. He he didn't try to do anything that wasn't needed. In this game, he took some, I would argue, ill-advised shots in the second half from farther away than he should. He likes to do his little look down at the ground, step back to a left three-pointer. He took one of those bouncing to his right. He took a quick trigger three while fading to his left. It looked like he got frustrated with what Denver was throwing at him on defense. And so the reason that as a Laker fan, but a pragmatic Laker fan, I feel really good right now is because that was a game where Denver threw a really clever wrinkle and the Lakers couldn't figure out what to do with it in-game. The way that Denver moved bodies around on defense packed the paint, but also made passing lanes difficult. And the Lakers didn't adjust. They just hit a few really tough shots and were able to hang on to a game they should have lost. Lakers should have lost that game. They didn't get anything near the rim in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter. I think they had three shots near the bucket in the whole fourth quarter. It was terrible. It was way outside of what they're normally doing. The way the Lakers have been beating teams is by getting to the rim. And in this one, Rondo hit a three-pointer. He went one of three with five turnovers. Ugly, ugly game for Rondo. He did have nine assists, but generally ugly game. KCP hit a desperation three. AD hit two desperation threes. I mean, that's lucky. If you're the Lakers, you got real lucky in that game. You hit four shots. You had no business hitting. Maybe one out of those four, but all of them? Nuggets defense was brilliant in the second half. The adjustments they made were brilliant. They neutralized one of, if not the best player in the universe, in LeBron James. They did. They didn't let him get to any of his spots. He, weren't, he couldn't get people involved. He had only four assists in the ballgame. He had six turnovers, higher turnover than assist count. I don't, think it was t- I don't think it was fatigue. I really don't. He hasn't been playing that many minutes in the playoffs even. But now, if you're the Nuggets, you're back to the drawing board like, look, we're gonna, we did this thing. They're not going to adjust again. Because they don't know what the Lakers' next move is going to be. You can, try to, you can try to plan for it, but you can't know for certain. But what's happened here is because the Lakers hit a handful of really lucky shots and stole this game from the Nuggets, the Lakers are up 2-0, and now they have the day off to really look at the film. Okay, here's where Denver's bringing their guys from. This is what they were doing that the Rockets tried to do but failed. For whatever reason, Houston was unable to actually pull off what Denver did yesterday, bringing guys in from different spots, packing the paint, creating difficult opportunities, where even if LeBron beats his first man, the Lakers, the other Lakers, aren't really in the right spots for him. They would be under normal circumstances, but Denver did a really good job of scrambling and moved guys around to create those turnovers. Now, you give a basketball genius like LeBron this opportunity to study the film and figure out where these guys are coming from and where they might end up, well, now he knows where to look. They can game plan for that. The Lakers will almost undoubtedly have a counter for what the Nuggets ran in the second half defensively in Game 2. They're not going to just rely on Anthony Davis taking 35 shots over an entire ball game. They can't. It's not good. 
they will lose. Those lucky ones won't go in. AD's going to have to come off the floor at some point. He played 39 minutes in this ballgame, which, amazingly, not even close to the most minutes anyone played in the game. That honor goes to Jamal Murray, who played 44 minutes on Sunday. Holy shamoly. And he got off to a really hot start, and then, not surprisingly, got real tired by the end of that ballgame. But they couldn't take him out. In a game the Nuggets lost by two, Jamal Murray sat for four minutes, and they lost those minutes by 14 points. I know what you're thinking. Is that Monty Morris's fault? No, absolutely not. It's not. They're just... There's a different dynamic when Murray's on the floor. The Lakers were able to move guys around in a way that, you know, they didn't really worry about the other guys out there. Jamal Murray was a plus 16 in a game they lost by two. Sorry, we're minus 14 when uh, when he was off the floor. I guess that would be a minus, eight, minus 18, minus 16. Okay, we can do this. <laughs> Probably get a little more sleep, huh? Also, things to think about as you head towards that next ball game, and then we'll do our, our, our line breakdown uh, on tomorrow's show, is what do the Lakers do about Nikola Jokic? Because through the first two games, you can see that they haven't wanted to bring double teams. Not in the way, at least, that the Clippers were doing. The Clippers were bringing doubles immediately if he'd had the ball in the high post or whatever it was. They had no one they felt stood a chance on him. The Lakers do have three guys they feel stand a chance against Nikola Jokic. AD, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard. Dwight, seemingly the best of those three, at at least slowing him down, irritating him. He is the strongest Laker, an honor I guess he'd probably share with LeBron James. Dwight is the biggest, strongest Laker on the floor. So he's the guy that, and frankly, he's been probably their best defender in this series, even staying with some of the little guys. Uh, Jamal Murray is basically the only nugget that can beat big men off the dribble. The rest of those guys are going to be gliding into mid-range shots if they're if they get a switch like that. So what the what the Nuggets have done to their credit in each of these first two games is work for the switch, work hard to get a switch, but instead of using the little man to attack the big guy because that hasn't worked all that well, uh little guys have not been able to get a huge advantage against Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. Specifically, AD's done a wonderful job guarding little guys in this series so far. They've worked through Jokic in the post. The Lakers likely have some options of what they want to do with that. At a certain point, the Nuggets are going to get that switch. If if the Lakers fight over it one time or two times, they'll run it a third time. Eventually, the Lakers are going to have no choice but to switch because otherwise the little man will just, whoever it happens to be, the guard, orchestrating, if... If someone gets caught on the Jokic screen, which they will because he's a giant human being, then the little man gets going downhill. And if that's Jamal Murray, he's going to make them pay. If it's somebody else, maybe the Lakers can bring somebody over, rotate someone in to try to help out, and they might be able to cover. Jamal Murray will finish through those guys. So that's why you saw so much Jamal Murray and so much Murray-Jokic pick and roll. It's a really difficult thing to defend. I think what you might see in this next ballgame, and again, I don't fancy myself a deep X's and O's guy, but I've been doing a lot of reading on these playoff series, and one of the things that jumps out is 
starting a slightly larger player, not necessarily starting from the beginning of the ballgame, but uh, meaning placing a bigger player, a wing, a big wing, whatever it happens to be, that can sort of hang with Jamal Murray on him to neutralize a lot of that pick and roll. Because with Jokic, yes, if he's backing down JaVale McGee or Anthony Davis, they do have length, but they don't really have the strength. The one guy that the Nuggets really don't want Jokic going one-on-one against is Dwight Howard. He's the one guy where there's been a marked improvement in the Lakers' defense in those spots. So the rest of those, you know, they'll, they'll do what they have to do. I don't think that there's a huge difference between Jokic backing down, say, LeBron, who we, and I bring this up because this is something we saw towards the end of the ballgame, and uh, backing down JaVale McGee. LeBron's stronger. And what we saw the Lakers do late in that game yesterday was they put LeBron James on Jamal Murray, and you could see the Nuggets immediately rethought their strategy. They didn't go straight to the Murray-Jokic pick and roll because in that case, the Lakers could switch it And then Jokic is backing down LeBron, which is easier said than done. LeBron's so strong, his hand's so powerful, Jokic turns around, he might shoot one of those high arcing teardrops over him. I think the Lakers prefer that to Jokic backing down, getting really close to the rim against either a a long, skinnier player or uh, just a straight-up little guy. Because he was carving them up. And when the Lakers had a little guy on Jokic, even their better defenders, Danny Green, Alex Caruso, guys like that, they almost had no choice but to bring a double team, and that left people open. The Nuggets are too good at passing. They ended up with a good look almost every single time they brought a second player at Jokic. Other things that they can do, in addition to making that pick and roll harder to execute by, by bringing a larger player onto Jamal Murray changing the way they bring doubles to Jokic in the post, changing the timing of how they bring doubles towards Jokic in the post, changing their rotations. Because Markeith Morris looks like a total wreck in this series. There's just no way the Lakers can go that small. They are getting devoured with Markeith at center. It's not working. When AD's off the floor, it seems like you absolutely positively need to have Dwight out there. You could even go both. So as, I, as we look towards that next ball game, these are things you want to keep in the back of your head. Yes, the pace said that this game should have gone over by a ton, and indeed they have uh, moved the number up for tomorrow's game. That total now, uh, sorry, they moved that number down, I should say, from 216 back to 213. So maybe that does create a little wiggle room. But there are things that counterbalance one another, where I, I do think the Lakers offensively figure out a way to get back closer to what they feel most comfortable doing. But defensively, I also think the Lakers do a better job of neutralizing the Nuggets and probably also fouling less. So the question is, what do we, what do we really think is going to happen? Because the pace tells us we should take the over in this next ballgame. The speed of the game said we should take the over. The Lakers really want to get shots off quickly. The Nuggets don't care quite as much. They, they run their half court with Jokic, and it seems like it works fine. Uh, but you know the Lakers want to push the pace. They, they want to get out, and they want to go fast. The Nuggets are going to be trying to slow this thing down. Can the Lakers get good enough looks in the half court where if the Nuggets succeed on slowing the game down, it can still get anywhere near that, that total? Remember, too, by the way, that in yesterday's game, uh, 
the first half is where most of the scoring took place. Right? That's another thing we need to keep uh, in the back of our minds because those adjustments created a second half that featured just 98 points. First half had 110. So the pace came down. Fourth quarter in particular was only 48. And that was with a bunch of points in the last 20 seconds. Seven, I think, right? Seven points in the last 23 seconds of that ball game. It wasn't even close prior to the last minute. 41 points in the first 11 minutes of that fourth quarter. So there's a fear there, you know, they, that they were scoring three to four points a minute. I, I do think these teams make some adjustments. And if the pace sticks and the adjustments work, then this next game should go over. But we'll talk more about that tomorrow, where it's not, it's not a bet worth placing yet. Um, the line did come down now. Lakers only favored by six and a half instead of seven and a half. I think there's an expectation the Nuggets are going to keep this thing tight. And how much can the Lakers get out and run? I guess. So we'll cover that again tomorrow. These numbers, by the way, all brought to you by our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Thank you to those that signed up over the weekend. A couple of you let me know that you did so. That's awesome. I hope you guys tailed our hoopball gaming guys and won a bunch of money because I did. And it was sweet. Betting on things I knew nothing about. Tailing guys on mid-majors. I don't know what the hell these things are, but I'm throwing a couple bucks on it, and then I log back in at the end of Saturday, and I'm a couple bucks richer. And you can do it with me. Uh, minimum deposit on a credit card is $45. If you're into Bitcoin, which I don't fully understand, but some of you seem to, you can put in any amount you want. MyBookie.ag promo code HOOPBALL. You can unlock the 100% deposit bonus by using that coupon code, which I'll remind all of you guys, you don't have to use. Because there are rollover requirements if you take the deposit match. If you decline, then it's just straight up, like walking into a Vegas casino. Put your money down. If you win, you can take it out. Easy enough. MyBookie.ag is the website. Check it out immediately. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Sign up. Let us know you signed up. We can give you a shout-out on Twitter, whatever you want. And then follow at HoopBallGaming for... Uh, your full breakdown there. Other pieces of news floating around the NBA right now. The uh, the Sixers have expanded their coaching search. That seems to be the thing that is bouncing around on the internet. Largely uh, quiet on the news front. Gordon Hayward's return for the Celtics is probably the closest thing we got to news over the weekend. With mustache and all. And I bring that up because it's an opportunity for us to tell you well, would you like to have an incredible mustache like Gordon Hayward? Well, you should probably have a great sideburn and mustache trimmer to get it. So check out manscaped.com. The promo code is HOOPBALL20. You get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Manscaped.com. Again, the website. It's so easy to find. It's in the past tense. Like, I just manscaped with a D on the end. M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Get the Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof technology, pinch-free technology, built-in LED light, 90-minute uh, battery life. Or you can get some other stuff. They got boxers, t-shirts, travel bags, shaving mats, mints, colognes, powders, oils, an ear and nose hair trimmer, which I believe they were sold out of last week, but those are back. Now they got a nail grooming kit. They have a luxury nail kit. Oh, yes. 
I actually might get one of those luxury nail kits because I used to pick my nails. I stopped. Now they get too long. And then I clip them with an old fishing line clipper. And then I get infections on my fingernail. Oh, boy. Learn your lesson, Bespris. Anywho, uh, check that out again. It's manscaped.com. Promo code HOOPBALL20. 20% off free shipping on a wonderful, wonderful product that I have and I use. The Lawnmower 3.0. Big thank you once again to our brand new partners over at ExpressVPN. Thank you to mybookie.ag and thank you to manscaped.com. Tomorrow, we will break down game three of Lakers and Nuggets. I think we did a pretty good job of breaking down game two. And, uh, you know, watch the news. The Lakers are not going to tip their hand, but there are some really good Lakers reporters and scouts out there that can tell you what the Lakers should be doing And in all likelihood, they will do something not that dissimilar from some of that type of stuff. So uh, watch Twitter. This is how you're going to figure out what comes next. The Nuggets, my guess would be, don't have massive adjustments planned for at least the start of Game 3. They'll probably run more like what we saw them run towards the end of Game 2. So have a great Monday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and getting your week started with us here at Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy season. Playoff basketball. I am Dan Baspers. Hit me up if you want to be part of our insanity here at Hoopball at D A N B E S B R I S or email team hoopball at hoop ball.com. Back at you tomorrow morning, same time, uh, meaning whenever, and same place, meaning podcast networks. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.